Welcome to the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live across the world at MichaelDukesShow.com on the internet and, of course, around the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show broadcasting oh, from an undisclosed, undisclosed secret location. Uh, we won't tell you about it except for it's comfortable and warm. Um, all right. <clears throat> Hump day, Wednesday. You guys ready for it? We can see we can see Firearms Friday from here. It's the, the end of the week. I can just see it around the horizon here. We're loving it. We're liking it. We're ready to go. Uh, today is uh, jam-packed with stuff this morning. We're going to start off uh, here in hour one with some discussions on what happened yesterday in the Alaska House. And uh, we'll uh, lead up into that discussion. <clears throat> that discussion, rather, will lead up into our conversation with uh, our friend Sarah Vance, who will be joining us Um who will be joining us in just a few moments for discussions on all the shenanigans that went on in the house yesterday and last week. And we'll get her, we'll get her hot take on everything that, uh, on everything that's going on. Uh, and, but I mean, let me just sneak peek it. Let me, let me give you the preview. The too long don't read version of this whole thing is that's TLDR for you internet geeks. Um, is that basically the the legislature's not interested in giving us a full PFD. Nope, they're not interested in having that conversation at all. Now, by legislature at this point, I mean <clears throat> the majority. And I'm going to be calling out some names today because there is, I mean, there's just no other way to do it at this point. You've got to call out the names of the people who are doing... Um, and we're doing uh, exactly what it is they're doing. Uh, so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to have a conversation with Sarah Vance. And then we will change and slide across the hall to the other chamber when we get into um, our discussions in Hour 2 with State Senator Mike Schauer, um, who's going to come in for the Shower Hour of Power, and he'll give us a, a kind of a feel for what he sees uh, happening in the Senate side of things because the Senate has not had their PFD discussion as of yet, and um, we get uh, we get to we get to see and talk about all that here going on this morning. So, um, hi, how are you? Are you ready for another <clears throat> day of radio adequacy? I mean, it's not excellence; it's not mediocrity. It is adequacy, and that's about it. So, um, let's, um, let's, uh, let's take a look at less at yesterday. Um, I think they had something like, uh, overall, I think it was like 19, 20 amendments that they got through yesterday. I want to make sure that I don't misquote that. Um, there was a whole bunch of amendments 
that uh, that they went through yesterday. And um, I was just looking for the number because it was there. It was a lot. It was a lot of amendments. And you could see a particular theme that was coming out again and again and again. Those amendments failed 18 to 21. 18 to 21. Most of those amendments failed right along that line. Now, again, you know what was interesting, of course, is that now we have, uh, you know, now we have a masking policy in the uh, in the chambers, in the House chambers, that makes it optional. Last week, they shut the whole thing down because some of the people weren't following the mandated masking that was going on. Now, last week, it was uh, 18 to uh, it was 18 to 17 because there were five people who were out sick on the minority side. And at that point, somebody pushed the button and said, oh, let's make this mandatory. We'll have a good excuse not to show up and do it. So they suspended all the work of the legislature last week. And, and this week. Everybody's back, and now it's not mandatory. Now it's just obligatory or, you know, recommended. And some members are wearing masks and some members did, didn't. And now all you see, of course, is all the uh, – now all you see, of course, is all the uh, uh, amendments failing along – right along those lines. I mean, if you can't do the math on this and do two and two is four, then something is definitely wrong. So there were a spate of um, – there were a spate of – uh, amendments. The first and foremost, amendment number one, was to pay a full PFD. And it failed, again, 18 to 21. Now, here's what's interesting on this. Um, there was some crossover on this. Um, you saw Neil Foster who is uh, deep in enemy territory, I guess I would say. I mean, should we describe them as enemies? I mean, should this be like, should we be, use, be using verbiage and analogies that are like wartime things? I don't know, but it, it, it seems to make sense. He's deep in the camp of the enemy. He is the co-chair of the House uh, Finance Committee on the majority. Uh, but Neil Foster voted yes on the amendment for a full PFD. He basically said that he supported the amendment because PFD cuts are a regressive tax on the poorest. Now, that is good cover for him. Uh, interestingly enough, we had um, the names of the people on the Republican side of the world who have allowed this kind of stuff to take place. Uh, include, of course, Bart LeBon from Fairbanks, Steve Thompson from Fairbanks, Kelly Merrick from Eagle River, and of course, Louise Stutes from Kodiak, who is the uh, who is the the chair of the House. So you have four Republicans who have uh, allied themselves with this majority and gave them exactly what they needed. If the now, I'm not saying that everybody who's a Republican has to vote, you know, but you would think that if they were elected from that camp, that the voters would expect uh, that the voters would expect um, 
you know, them to kind of be of that smaller, more conservative, you know, less taxes, follow the law, full PFD kind of mantra. But they're not. They're not. If they had followed along, first of all, you'd have a Republican majority in the House. The the Republican majority would be nigh on to bulletproof at that point, uh, because I think it would be 22 if I do the math right. 22. Uh, but they voted against that uh, amendment for a full PFD. Later on, McCabe put forward a second amendment to increase the PFD, this time coming with money coming from the POMV, and there was vociferous debate on that. Uh, interestingly enough, this time around, uh, Rauscher, uh, George Rauscher voted, uh, um, uh, uh, excuse me, he voted for it. That was the third one. Was it the third amendment? Here we go. This is the amendment number three, uh, which is an amendment for a full statutory PFD, a payback for last year's PFD, and removal of the energy credit payment. Because here's how they're working. And you can see the themes that are flowing through the legislature right now. Uh, they talked all about, oh, expectation. And we don't want to raise people's hopes, which, by the way, um, is exactly the same argument that Peter Machicki used last year when he voted against a full PFD and instead just voted for the 50-50. He could have been the tie-breaking vote on a full PFD last year. And he told it, well, I didn't just didn't want to raise people's hopes. What? I just didn't want to raise people's hopes that maybe they'd get a full PFD because, you know, it'll come out of here. And... What? But that's become the mantra. We didn't want to raise expectations. We didn't, you know, we could pay it this year, but what about next year? It might not be sustained. You guys have been deciding this thing by fiat for years. So do you really think that if we get a full PFD next this year that we will absolutely 100% expect a full PFD next year? No, because you still haven't solved the PFD issue. But it sure would be nice to get that full PFD this year. I mean, post-pandemic, post-recession, you know, recession, post, I mean, everything else, the high oil prices and the inflation and the war. And I mean, it sure would be nice to get that, you know, but no, we, we couldn't, we just couldn't, but you know, we don't want to, um, uh, you know, give them those expectations of uh, what we're doing here. Um, it, it's, it's, it's astonishing, but that is the whole political thing. So then we got to amendment number three which again was the um, uh, from uh, Johnson and Kirka, who said, uh, you know, full statutory PFD, payback for last year's PFD, removal of a large energy credit payment. And interestingly enough, um, as, as we go through here and you see these things, um, you're starting to be like, what is going on? Why is this, why is this happening? What's, what's going on? Um, so anyway, uh, this this was the this is the the madness that was happening yesterday. Not Rauscher, Kaufman. I'm sorry, not Rauscher. My bad. It was Kaufman who voted against the uh, the PFD, um, and he voted against uh, which amendment was it? I just want to make sure that uh, yeah, Amendment Three. He voted against Amendment Three uh, as well. He voted against Amendment Number Two, and he voted against. Amendment number three, or amendment number one. So I don't know what Kaufman's doing. 
but he voted against all three amendments that would have in some way, shape or form put forward a full PFD. But uh, anyway, amendment number three uh, was, again, removing the energy credit payment. And you could see the arguments that's been going on about this. And you could see, like, I think it was Ivy Sponholtz that was quoted a week or two ago saying, you know, it's not a dividend. It's not a dividend. It's an energy payment. It's a it's a relief payment. It's not a dividend. She was very adamant about it, it was not a dividend. And we saw that last year with the decoupling of the payment of the permanent fund from the earnings reserve account, which is statutorily where it's supposed to come from. They just took it out of general funds instead. So you could see, but slowly but surely, they're trying to make it so that there is no dividend. And then that, it, it, you know, if they give you money, it's only by their largesse that they give you money. Oh, well, it's an energy relief payment. We can do that. You know, God love Sarah Palin. She was the only one that gave us a full PFD and an energy rebate payment on top of it. But uh, I digress, I guess. All right. Well, we got more coming up. The Michael Luke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Representative Sarah Vance is up next here on the program. We'll return right after this. Suppository. The Michael Duke Show. I think it is crystal clear that it is not a dividend, says Deshana. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Henry says Bishop, Machiki, Revac, Von Imhoff, all, any one of them could have been the tie-breaking vote, yet they chose to steal our money. The blame doesn't lie just with one senator. It lies with all of them. Except, David, there was only one senator there who had taken the pledge from Clem Tillian, one of the framers of the PFD, and had sat down with his constituency and promised and swore that that was what he was going to work towards and signed a piece of paper to say he was going to do that. He was the only one of those four that did that. Uh, you have to look to see what Kaufman gets for freeing up a slot to allow Foster, uh, Foster to vote for all things PFD. I mean, that's the thing. It's a swap. I mean, that that's that's the thing. It was a it was a vote swap where Foster get to got a chance to look like a hero to his people, knowing it was not going to go anywhere. And Kaufman was whatever he was doing. All right. Well, I suggest, since I got a new phone thing here, I got to make sure that we're uh, got to make sure we're going to be okay with this. Let me uh, let me get this thing rolling. How about that? Your call has been. Well, that didn't. Uh, that's that's sad. What did I do here? Uh, let's try this one more time. The call was forwarded. It's called pandering, says Kevin. All right. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Are you coffeeed? Are you caffeinated? Are you ready to I've, go? I've had a sip. I've had, she said, I've had a sip. Just a sip. All right. Um, well, I can't imagine that it's been fun the last couple of days, but... Um, Let's, uh, we will, we're about ready to dive into it. You, uh, you all good? I'm good. Okay. Boy, you sound, you sound crystal clear. I'm using a new phone system. So I'm like, uh, 
it uh, you you sound you sound really good. So, all right. Um, well, let's uh, let's let's dive into this whole thing here in just a second. We've got more people on. I'm going to let you consume some more real coffee. I won't even offer you virtual donuts this morning. You just consume that real coffee, and we'll be right back to you. Okay. Uh, Sarah Vance, our guest here uh, on the Michael Duke Show. Okay, just more proof that we need a con con, says Kenneth. And, uh, you know, I think you might be right. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been reticent. I've been hesitant to do all that, but I think that you might be right. Oh, all right. Sarah Vance is going to be our guest. The legislature is no different than the lying media, CNN, MSNBC, and others. Uh, if it's just an energy payment, I still want my full PFD, says Marty. That's exactly what I was saying. I mean, Sarah Palin gave us a full PFD and an energy rebate. Um, Jim is making an argument that a full PFD is robbing the IRS of some money. Um, wait, energy rebate? I thought it was a snow machine incentive payment. Um, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, let's see here. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling backwards here. Uh, Sarah Palin was good to us, but Suzanne at Must Read seems to hate her and is really going after her. She's obviously backing baggage. I don't hate Sarah. I just think that there's some political ramifications to it. Um, for sure. I mean, I also like baggage as a candidate. I like Chris Bai as a candidate. The question is who's going to end up in the final four and who's got the best chance of winning. I mean, obviously, I will be ranking the uh, I'll be ranking the Republican candidates probably if well, the Libertarian and the Republican candidates if they get to the final four ballot. Um, but I don't I don't think I hate anybody. I read part of Suzanne's article the other day, and it wasn't. I don't know if she hates her. I think she just brings up some realistic components of the political baggage that comes along with it. But, you know, maybe maybe there is some spite in there. I definitely think that she's basically she's backing baggage. I, I would not disagree with that. Um, OK. Um, you might as well go ahead and pronounce the L in Salmon because nothing else matters anymore. <laughs> Got a little smoked Salmon over here. All right. Let's. Uh. Let's jump into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, welcome back to the program. Our one continues. We just finished talking about all the nonsense going on in the legislature. To give us a first-hand account of all the nonsensical stuff that's going on over there, let's jump over to our first guest for today, and that is Sarah Palin, GOP state rep from District 31 down on the Lower Peninsula. Uh, she joins us this morning straight from the in, from the asylum, giving us all the reports of what the uh, maniacs are doing down there. Good morning. Uh, how are you doing, Sarah? Doing pretty good. But wow, what a slip. I'm not Sarah Palin. I No, I did. Did I say Sarah Palin? I'm sorry. You said Sarah Palin. All right. I'm sorry. Michael. Well, I'm, there's like 15 <laughs> things saying Sarah Palin on my screen right now. So it's Sarah Vance. <laughs> sorry, Sarah. 
Um, too many Sarahs, and I obviously have had not had enough coffee this morning. You sound better. Have another, so. have another sip. I will. I'll have one more. Um, all right. So Sarah Vance, GOP state rep from District 31 down in the peninsula. See, we all make mistakes. I mean, you know, I'd be fully, trust me, you talk 10, 12 hours a week right off the cuff, you're guaranteed to make at least one mistake in there somewhere. That's true. Um, that's true. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about stuff that's going on down there. First and foremost, um, the, uh, the the whole thing with last week and this uh, this whole bitterness of, Oh man, we've got to we masks or else you know you're trying to kill us all and we can't and everybody's sick and so click click we're down we're out we're we're shutting down. Um and of course the immediate turnaround on Monday how now everybody was safe and masks were optional it was all about the numbers. It was it was about math not masks, right? Absolutely. Yeah, um the speaker was just looking for an excuse to um to not have floor but not have to accept the responsibility for herself. Right. And if it hadn't been an issue over masks, they would have had to find some other way to drag up some other thing to cause them to shut the floor down. Even if it was just at the, you know, the chair's discretion to shut the floor down because members were out and they did, even though they only need what, 25, how many do they, I think they need 25 to, uh, to do the business of the session or is it 30? I can't remember. It's 21. 21. They just need 21. 21. All right. So 21 to do the business of the house on the floor. And that's what they, and that's what they need. All right. Well, um, so it was obvious uh, based on that huge reversal or the, you know, I saw the light and now it shouldn't be mandatory. It should just be voluntary. Um, but now of course we saw exactly how all the votes started falling down yesterday and every one of them was 18 to 21, 18 to 21, 18 to 21, where last week it would have been 18 to 17, right? For every, for every one of those, because they were missing a huge chunk of their, their, uh, their voting block as it were. Um, and it's just more politics as usual. Yeah. It, you know, it, it almost felt like a exercise in futility yesterday, but you know, you have to, you have to make them do it and say, well, you know, are you, are you really going to tell people no full PFD again this year? And yeah, they didn't even blush. And, and the really shocking part is that they would not even agree to a 50-50 split. So it's, you know, it's, I, I, I pray that everyone has a long memory this fall. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I hope that people, because again, um, every representative is up for re-election and every senator with the exception of one donnie olson i think is the one that uh, is dodging the bullet on that but every senator is up for re-election so you got 59 out of 60 legislators up for re-election and i really hope that they remember that um oh i'll be honest with you if i was running a campaign i would have radio and television ads that were that, that did nothing but pound on that i mean it would focus in on the voting board with their names circled in red for voting no against a full pfd and you would have the full voice of doom and gloom saying they voted to take your pfd i mean it would just it, i would just hammer the hell out of them i hope that people remember you know but here's the thing sarah i remember back in 2016 when bill walker vetoed the pfd and i immediately said to myself and i may have said it on the air at the time i said oh 
he's toast because that is the political third rail. Nobody's going to want to do that. The Senate's going to get up and, and override that veto. And then nothing happened. And then I'm like, well, those people will all be voted out because people just won't, you know, those those legislators will just be voted out because people won't stand for that. That's their PFD. And then nothing happened. Now, granted, since then, we've changed out a bunch of the of the legislators and many of those who were were ambivalent to challenging the PFD have been changed out. But at the time, nothing happened. I keep waiting for this silent majority I keep hearing about to to spin up and, and do something. And unfortunately, there just have not been any real repercussions here so far. Say my district certainly did something and um, there were repercussions because I'm here now. Right. Well, right. Right. So there are a few districts who said, hey, enough's enough. No, no. And I'm not saying I'm saying holistically as a whole. It was, you know, yeah, we changed out a few. Like I said, we you know, you were there and and, uh, you know, eventually a few years later, you know, we got Ron Gillum and and we got uh, Rob Myers. And, you know, some of these anti PFD folks kept, you know, they you know, that now the Chuck Cops gone and Jennifer Johnston. And but it it wasn't in 2016 when it happened. I thought, boy, the next election cycle 2018 is going to be a bloodbath and it was like yeah. crickets and i was like i mean walker obviously didn't get reelected. i think that was his doom uh you know no matter what but i fully expected the people to stand up and make their legislators pay attention and nothing happened yeah obviously um i mean it's been six years that's the the shocking part about it six years and i feel like people are just losing hope uh they there's been so much rhetoric out there. Oh, well, we can't afford a PFD. And then comparing is uh, like schools and roads, then you're being greedy if you want a full PFD. And we keep putting, um, comparing this to that, this to that. And it's simply a false choice. Right. Uh, you know, the, the founders, if you will, of the PFD said the people get the first draw. You, you know, the PFD, and then we can talk about government services. And you want to compare um, revenue and taxes to the size of government, not the PFD. Right. And that's been the false choice that the people have believed. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. And uh, it's it's frustrating to watch. So, I mean, we had how many amendments went across the floor? I read it somewhere. I've been reading all the different stories this morning, and I read it somewhere. And, and uh, was it 30 uh, amendments, 40? We were on number 24. 24. But there were a few that were not offered. So we only got through about 20. 20 of but, them. But there were at least, if I remember correctly, at least six that were directly full PFD opportunities for people to do the right thing. Right. Right. And, and then of course there were, were back. That would have paid all of the back pay. Um, then once that one went down in flames, then we went year by year by for back pay to give people the opportunity to do the right thing. And then the interest on the dividends that were not paid. Right. Do you know that's more than a billion dollars? Yeah. I mean, it's like a full half of a PFD just in interest payments that that money is earned. Because most people, most people don't understand. This is the sixth year. I mean, it's been six years now since the PFD was taken. But for the first three of those years, four of those years, th- three of those years, 
the money never went anywhere. It just stayed in the earnings reserve account. It was never spent because the argument was, well, we need this for government. And then it just sat there. And it wasn't until the fourth year that they drew into it uh, uh, through the through the ERA draw. Uh, and I think they're going to probably do the same thing this year. But again, the money's just sitting there. It wasn't hurting. It wasn't helping the economy in any way, either the best way through the private economy or even the worst way through the public economy. It was just sitting there earning uh, earning interest, which I guess that's great, except for that's the people's money. That's not government. That's the people's take on this. That's the thing that most people don't understand about the PFD. The PFD is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what the state earns from all the other sources when it's all said and done. Now, that fraction is built up because it's accumulated and it's the power of compound interest and everything else and and uh, and investing. But that is the people's money. It's a it's a just a, a small little taste of what the state is getting the full blast from. That was talked about on the floor, and um, it's amazing how, you know, you sit there and you look around, seeing if anyone, anyone's heartstrings or conviction that this, this belongs to the people. I didn't see it. I saw, I saw less of that than I have uh, any other year, and you know, I, people have already made up their minds when we walk on the floor, and. Um, there's there's nothing that we could possibly say that's going to sway them to to consider changing their vote, and um, they've justified that government services um, is more valuable to the people than their dividend, and that to me is astounding. I even said it in my speech. I said we the dividend we know will go to every eligible. There's no other budget item that we know this one. Yeah. And yet they've made up in their mind, nope, the government services do a better job of providing for the people than the people's money in their own hands. And that's the part that I just can't shake. Uh, Representative Sarah Vance is our guest, GOP state rep from District 31 down to the peninsula. Um, so six, I think it would you say six different, uh, opportunities to vote for a full PFD. Um, I expected there to be a lot of eye rolling when any, anytime anybody started to go back into the history of the PFD, because that's what we've seen from the other side on the Senate side, when it was, you know, read across that you're right, the dividend is supposed to have first, t- first take at everything and all that. And I mean, there was some proverbial eye rolling on that, like, oh, please, we know better than you how to spend that money. That should just be on us. And again, that goes right back to what you're saying government services reign supreme the government spending reigns supreme not the private not the private sector i mean again we're coming out of a pandemic which had severe economic consequences on top of the fact that we weren't even out of fully out of our state statewide recession we were just starting to climb out of it now and now you've got you know, the beginnings of runaway inflation at 7% on top of everything else, the supposedly transitory inflation. I mean, Alaskans are getting killed. I think it was Kevin McCabe that read off a bunch of uh, uh, costs of different goods and stuff across the floor yesterday. And uh, and they just all kind of oh, ho-hum. We still know better than you how to spend it. Mm-hmm. And they feel like uh, it would be an overdraw of the fund, that it would be taking more money out. and. Um, and that's the goal is they want to protect the fund at all costs. They want to grow the fund for the future, for future government spending. Right. And I believe that there's, um, another billion dollar transfer in this budget 
you know, inflation proofing, of course, um, to go back into the corpus. And you saw in the past several years that um, Bert Stedman was socking away billions into the fund. And the whole idea is to get more of the of the money from the ERA back into the corpus. They can use the excuse that we can't afford to pay a full PFD. And and then they have the POMB drop that, of course, goes directly to the general fund for government spending. Right. Well, and and this is the problem. This is all about government spend. Again, protecting government over the over the public economy. Uh, it's the government economy over the private economy. And uh, again, that whole thing of the politician's disease of somehow we know better than you. And you're right. The ultimate goal is to hit that $100 billion mark where they're drawing five, five and a half billion dollars every year out of the permanent fund. Uh, and they have no, you know, they've got no worries about money in the future. Of course, we all know that, as we've seen already with the spending spree that the the majority is trying to push into this, including billions of dollars in forward funding and everything else, that they're going to spend every available dollar that's there. And if they could take a part of the PFD and continue to whittle down on the PFD, they will take every available dollar there until there is no PFD. And then they will spend all that money. And then they'll go, well, now we need more revenues. Now we need more revenues. Well, they're already saying that. We just don't have enough. And um, the current proposed dividend is is a, about 25% and then 75% to government. Right. And then, of course, this energy rebate. And, and Ben Carpenter even called it out. He said, you know, if you're going to do the energy rebate that totals about a, what a 50-50 would be, why don't you just go ahead and call it a 50-50 split? Right. Well, they, they they are very clear on that. This rebate has nothing to do with the PFD. It is not a PFD. It is no, 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 it's not a PFD. And, of course, then you heard all the arguments about raising expectations. Oh, if mm-hmm. we pay a full PFD this year, then, you know, what precedent does that set for the – well, what precedent did it set that they paid the PFD for the statutory amount for 40-plus years and then you just arbitrarily decided to cut it back? I mean right. – we don't you give us a full one this year. We're not expecting a full one next year because the issue is not settled. We haven't protected the permanent fund dividend uh, formula. We haven't done any of those things. But you could at least give some relief to Alaskans. And again, it all comes back to don't worry, children. We know what we're doing. Yeah. And they don't even want you to have the expectation that you're, you're going to get a 50 50 split. Right. No, no, no. I loved it how the Republicans finally said, look, we're going to come to the middle here and meet you in the middle at 50-50. And immediately the anti-PFD crowd moved the goalposts and said, oh, you're willing to compromise? Good. 75-25. That's where we're at. And I'm just like, that's not how compromise works. Right. Because I'm wondering, who are they compromising with? Because we've heard it. All year. Oh, well, we just need to compromise. Really? Who are you compromising with? Because you haven't moved from your position. Right. Exactly. And that's a that's a huge part of the problem. All right, Sarah, hold the line. We're going to we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue with uh, Representative Sarah Vance, not Palin. Vance, Sarah Vance. She's going to continue with us here in just a moment and we will uh, see what she has to say. Uh, about the rest of the budget and what we expect here in the coming days. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free Thinking Radio. We'll return with more right after this. 
that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. Okay, Sarah is with us here in the chat room this morning uh, during the commercial break, and we are ready to go. Let me go back here and see uh, what else uh, other folks are saying. Uh, Alaskans should expect their legislature to follow its own laws. Yes, I I agree. I think that that is important. Uh, Daniel said your live stream is offline. Thank you, Daniel. I restarted it and fixed it. Hopefully it's back up again. Uh, but if we give them their PFD, we'll have to raise taxes and we'll lose your precious government services. No fire or police. That was Ivy Sponholt's uh, uh, comment. And we've heard these kind of similar things as well. We saw Von Himoff make the same kind of tirade uh, earlier, uh, or maybe it was late last year, talking about the bridges and the roads and they'll all fall apart and ducks and cats and chickens will all be living together. It'll be mass hysteria. Uh, but that seems to be the big tack that they're taking. The first thing that they attack, Sarah, is always the public safety, right? So public safety in schools. Those are the. T- if we do this, we'll lose all of our roads, schools, police, and fire. It'll all be. It'll all be gone. If you take a look at the budget, the the police and the roads and and things like that are this are tiny little blips in the budget. Yeah. Now. Hess and education, health and social services, and the education budgets make up more than half of the budget. Keep that in mind. Oh, yeah. More than half. All of these little blips on the graph. So when they start threatening your roads or your public safety, it's baloney. Right. And it's it's a complete scare tactic. And, well, you have to choose, you know, just like my predecessor, either you want uh, – taxes or your larger pfd because you can't have both false choice right because if you follow the law you would have your full-size pfd and you'd have a government that would be forced to live within its means and quite honestly if that meant having to generate new revenue to provide services then that's an equitable split instead of affecting the lowest you know the lowest 80 percent of income earners and especially the lowest 40% of income earners are the ones that are paying the brunt of this by losing the majority of their PFD. Absolutely. And we, we would be forced to talk about what we want our size of government to be. Yeah. What do we now, if we are basing our size of government off the size of the permanent fund, we're never going to have that conversation. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Um, The PFD is the wiffle that keeps getting whacked back and forth across the net each year. I mean, the shuttle, I guess. it's If you're playing badminton, it's the shuttle. But whatever it is, it's the little ball that keeps getting batted back and forth across the net every year, and it sucks up all the oxygen in the room. There's no discussion on uh, on really fixing it from the other side. I mean, we've been talking about it. You, as a minority, have been talking about it. The governor's been talking about it. Many, you know, punditry, talking heads, uh, you know, policy forums, everybody else is talking about it. But everybody else is like, I mean, even the fiscal policy working group said, hey, we got to fix this. And we got to fix it holistically. We can't just take it, you know, in isolation. We have to take everything and look at everything together. Uh, and that was a pretty diverse group of folks <laughs> on that thing. And yet, at the end of the day, no, 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 we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to keep batting this thing back and forth and deciding by fiat what your PFD should be. 
Do you remember yesterday the few passing moments of a discussion of the fiscal plan? Uh, you know, I had to I had to laugh because I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched a few outtakes and then I was following a couple Twitter feeds that were, you know, giving the updates as they went along. Because, you know, hey, I got a job. I got to work. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so I was following. But I had to I started laughing when uh, one of the uh, one of the Twitter feeds, the guy who I can't remember who it was that brought it up that uh, we, we're not following what the fiscal policy working group said. Uh, and I'm like, well, that's the first time the fiscal policy working group has been brought up on the floor of the house this entire time. They did all that work and nobody's brought nobody's brought forth this full plan. Didn't have a combined session where you could sit down and look at the full presentation and everything else. I said, really, this is the first time we're even talking about this because the fiscal policy and, of course, the part that they pulled out was that it had to be done and it included revenues and cuts and taxes and everything else. And I, I was just i was shocked you oh yeah it was it was almost insulting and it was the interesting part is that it was an amendment to the 50 50 dividend the 50 50 split of the pomv and they wanted intent language that said this is the intent that it will be part of a, a fiscal plan that includes like three to five hundred million in revenue additional revenues um work towards reduced spending, um, a spending cap, at least that got an honorable mention, and the consternation of just that simple intent language was astounding to me. But here we had the people that have been telling us, oh, we have to compromise, we have to compromise, and and they could not agree on intent language that included the simple language of just saying, yes, we want to, this, this means we're going to work towards this fiscal plan. And finally, I think we got 24 votes, but yeah. then when it came down to the actual vote of the 50-50 PFD, yeah, it, it fell failed. back to... 18 to 21. It, hold, hold the line. Hold the line. We're jumping back in. Here we go. All right, we're continuing with Sarah Vance, GOP State Rep District 31 down in the Lower Peninsula. We're talking about yesterday's floor session of the House where they had five or six opportunities to address and support a full PFD. And, of course, they all failed and floundered. And, you know, even some of our own, the minority members, voting against every option. I mean, I'm just, I'm shaking my head as to why that happened. But Sarah and I were just in the break. We were just talking about, to me, one of the most infuriating moments that I saw is when Andy Josephson objected to some new intent language that was being recommended. Uh, it was, a, I think it was bipartisan. It was Ben Carpenter and uh, uh, Garen Tarr and Snyder and McCabe. Uh, all four of them put forward this new intent language. And there was objection to the intent language because it doesn't reflect the bipartisan working group's required revenue. This is the only time I've ever heard anybody mention the fiscal policy working group's work on the floor in any substantive way. And I just I felt like somebody just slapped me right in the face, uh, Sarah. Well, I, I do have to say that Representative Carpenter has tried to to mention it, and he always gets in trouble by the speaker. Uh, every time he tries to talk about it, saying, are we going to hear this? Uh, but yes, you're right. It was 
It was brought forward with intent language that the 50-50 dividend would be part of the fiscal uh, a fiscal plan that included a spending cap, three to five hundred in additional new revenues, and um, work towards you know reduction in spending. Right. And there were objections and so much consternation that well, this isn't the working groups. We you know this isn't what they said. We needed taxes and and so I stood up and said, no, wait a minute. This doesn't talk about anything of taxes. It does talk about new new revenues. And surely we could stop trying to fit a square peg in a round hole of talking about the same thing of taxes that the people have rejected year after year. Right. Maybe we could come up with some new ideas on revenues. And, you know, boy, they did not like that conversation. No, and 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 I and I find it really uh, astonishing that both the House and the Senate have pretty much ignored all that hard work that was done uh, over this last summer by uh, by a group of folks who, again, could not be more philosophically divided uh, in the long run, but unanimously came together at the end and said, here you go. Here's here's a plan, but it has to be done in total. It has to be done holistically. It has to be done. You know, you can't pick and choose. Here's what it should be. And yet nobody wanted to talk about it. Uh, and again, they only bring it up when it suits their argument. And they probably, I don't imagine Josephson got smacked down by the uh, chair over talking about that. Uh, but you're saying Carpenter, anytime he brings it up, gets a, gets a little hand slap over it. I, I, I you know, the whole thing is offensive at this point to me. I'm, I'm so frustrated. Uh, but what's going to happen, you know, today, what goes on now? I mean, are we, are we now past the opportunity to, get a full dividend in or even a 50-50 dividend in the house at this point are we moving beyond that into more mundane stuff and and the the nuts and bolts of the actual budget well word on the street is that there could be another vote coming uh, for a full dividend so um, we'll have to see because we do have all the deadline for amendments has been submit, but we can do an amendment to an amendment, you right. know, that we could just right. write it on the fly. Yep. And so I'm hearing that another opportunity is coming. So I don't know where exactly it's going to come. So you just have to watch the floor to find out. Oh, I see. We call that a tease. We call that a oh, tease. I'm, it's a, I'm teasing. It's a hook. It's a hook to get people out there to watch that stuff. But again, I just it cracks me up, sir, because you said, "Did you watch this?" And I'm like, "No, I don't. I don't have. I have a job. I don't have time to sit there and turn gavel to gavel on and grab the popcorn and just you know watch it all day." Because I mean, this is a multi-hour debate. Who's got time for to to sit down and watch it? Only the people who are being paid to be there. I think at this point. Or oh my if, goodness, I, yeah, we. We're having floor again at 9.30 this morning and expect it to go all day long. Yeah. No, it's going to be it's it's going to be it's going to be crazy. So tell us about some of the other stuff you're seeing in the budget, this new proposed budget uh, and some of the things that are really sticking out to you as we look at this. Because like I said, all of a sudden we're flush with cash. I mean, we got money coming. We got money coming from places we never expected it. And so now. This uh, legislature has decided, oh, we need to, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we need to spend it. Uh, and I, I, I noticed that there was no discussion on paying back the CBR or anything else. They've got plenty of other. They're going to fully fund education for two years, forward fund it to the tune of billions of dollars. But they couldn't even slip a few hundred million back into the CBR, which is owed like nine billion dollars at this point. 
Uh, no, Representative Carpenter and Finance Committee tried to get, I think, two hundred fifty million put in savings. Right. Two fifty. Right, just two fifty. And, and it the vote passed, and then they rescinded the vote. They said, no, 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 we didn't want it to go that way. We actually didn't want that vote to pass. <laughs> so they brought they they uh, they did it again and got the votes that they wanted. Where they wouldn't even put away two hundred fifty million. It's uh, it's 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 astonishing. What else is sticking out for you on the budget here? Obviously, um, foreign funding of education, like you said, more than a billion dollars. Uh, that one is, hey, we don't have. Uh, actually, yesterday we didn't hear that we can't afford a full PFD. At least they that, but we're gonna we're gonna prioritize a certain group of Alaskans by forward funding to protect their job for a year. I'm okay with forward funding education by principle so that they don't have to, they can plan their budget a little bit better. But I've always said that I think we should get to a place to forward fund the entire budget. That way, one year we talk about budget, the other year we talk about policy, but we're not there yet. Yeah. The other area is an additional, I think 50, 52, 57 million education on top of the BSA, on top of the forward funding. And I'm sorry, you broke up. There was a $52 million in addition to the forward funding. In addition to. And, um, you know, in my mind, until we have a fiscal plan, we should not be doing any additional large sums of money like that. Um, because how are we able to have a discussion about priorities on unless we look at the full fiscal plan? Right. No, I mean, that's the thing. We've got to look at it all in total. I love how they keep pulling things out in isolation. And again, that was one of the things that the fiscal policy group you know, pointed out is that we keep trying to take these little bite-sized snatches of these things, but they're all interconnected. You know, it's like a Jenga puzzle. You pull one, it pulls on everything. You've got to take care of it all at once and look at it holistically as a, as a whole system, as a whole thing. And uh, And nobody wants to do that because if they did... This is the point where they all realize the emperor has no clothes, right? They'd have to admit that there's actually a problem in what's going on. I, I said this yesterday to Brad Keithley. I said the worst part and the most frustrating part for people like me who are, you know, into the politics and we've been watching it, but we're looking at it from the outside. We can see, you know, here's a problem and here's a problem and here's a problem. We may not have all the answers for how to fix those, but we can see that these are problems. And yet the people who are associated with these things are like, Oh, no, there's no problem. We got this covered. Don't worry about it. And you're like, I can see it's a problem. And they're like, no, 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 no. Don't you just don't pat me on the head, put me in the corner and just say, let the adults talk. That's the most frustrating thing. Well, I think that's the conversation that's that's coming. Uh, you know, right now, this is the easy part of dealing with the budget. You know, we it feels like a game that we play with the majority. They have already made up their mind how they're going to vote. and and we bring forth our amendments, we try as we may, and they just all vote no, and then we send it over, you know, we we say, no, we don't want to support the budget, they get their 21 votes, if they can't, they don't have the, they, they delay the floor until they can take somebody out to the woodshed, they have a conversation, <laughs> they come back, they get the votes, they send it to the Senate. That's when things get dicey. Right. Well, I'm hoping we're going to get some information in the next hour from State Senator Mike Schauer. Hopefully, maybe something's happening over there, although I don't have high hopes of that. we got less than a minute here, Sarah. I want to give you the floor to give you a chance for your final thoughts for today, what people should be watching for for this for today and the rest of the week. 
Well, there's a lot of different uh, important uh, but bills being heard in the Senate that you want to pay attention to, uh, that that we need your public comment on. You know, don't neglect those important pieces of legislation, you know, regarding everything, CRT and vaccine rights and um, education, things like that, that you need to be paying attention to. Don't let the budget distract you from those important bills. All right. Well, we appreciate the hard work you're doing down there, Sarah, and uh, we look forward to uh, finding out more. Thank you so much for coming on board, and thank you for all you do. We appreciate it. Have a great morning, Michael. Folks, we're out of time. we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues Hour 2 Dead Ahead. All right. We'll give Sarah uh, one final bite at the apple since she's still on the line here. Um Sarah, it's just you, me, and 50 of our closest friends here, 70 of our closest friends on Facebook and YouTube and everything else. So uh, I'm going to give you the last uh, few minutes here just to kind of summate. I mean, I, I, I probably talk more than I should this morning, but I'm agitated. And I can't even imagine my agitation must pale in comparison to yours and McCabe's and everybody else who's on the floor trying to do the right thing here. This has got to be one of the most frustrating things you've ever done. Well, it's uh, my I don't have gray hair for a reason. Boy, I you know, <laughs> I didn't start out that way. I know I got an older, I, I got young a, and innocent. I looked. I got an older picture of you up here from your first campaign, and your hair is all brown. And then I saw the picture from the floor, and I'm like, wow, this has really probably been kind of stressful because you're uh, you're silvering up there. We don't call that gray in my house. We call it silver or arctic blonde. You are turning arctic Ar- blonde. Arctic blonde. You. Yeah, you're you're getting getting some stress out there. Just know that it's because I've poured my heart out for you. Um, that's the thing. It's it's heartbreaking that um, the people just won't keep their word. And, you know, that's, it seems so simple to us, right? And um, granted, solving the, the problems of the state is no small thing. Um, there's hard decisions that have to be made. Um, but, you know, there's there's some things that I consider simple. That If we do this, then all the other things um, will force us to to examine those, and we can't get past the easy solutions um, because people just simply don't want to. And I just want to tell people, don't give up hope. You know, um, just it gets it's darkest before dawn. That's what I keep telling myself. Right. Don't grow weary in well doing, right? I mean, that's the thing. Don't you still got it? You still got to be, you know, testifying. You still got to be calling in. You still got to be waving signs. You still got to be doing all those things because that's what they want. They want to wear us down. They want to make us just so defeated and so disappointed and frustrated that we just throw our hands up and walk away. It's a game of attrition and they're really good at it. And that's when we have to muster, we have to dig deep and we have to refuse and um, just be consistent. You know, our, our public testimony calls and emails has dramatically decreased and we need to hear from you. I'm telling you, it really matters. Yeah. Well, and I, I can tell you why it decreased. I mean, the last time I testified last year after being on hold for nearly three hours, uh, I finally got a chance to do it. But again, again, and it's in the middle of the day. So here I am working at my desk with my phone on speaker, trying to get work done while I'm kind of listening because you can't help but listen at the same time. It was not a very productive day for me. So after two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes, I finally got a chance to testify. And the the testimony was overwhelmingly in support of a full statutory PFD. And then you get the comment from Josephson like, oh, well, you know, we understand what you guys are saying, but we know better than I mean, it was the whole it was the 
the whole Paul Seaton thing all over again, you know, oh, you just don't understand what's going on. And I just, my blood was shooting out of my eyes at that point, you know, and I'm like, man, am I going to waste my time again like that? I don't know. But you're right. We can't grow weary in well-doing. Well, the other thing is that we need to be talking to our chamber of commerce. We need to be talking to our local governments, to the others that influence and have lobbyists here in the state and say, we want you to fix the budget. And that doesn't mean cutting our, our dividend. And the the Alaska Chamber did a poll. Do you do you are you okay with using part of your dividend to support state services? And in their poll, most people said no. And it's important to speak up on those influential on those influencers that says we want you to focus on the economy to strengthen us. That's what's gonna get us out of this mess. Right. So it's not just calling in for public testimony. It's having those important conversations with the business community and influencers that these legislators are listening to. Two quick questions. And I don't know, we've only got about two minutes here. So two quick questions. One, does this make the CONCON look more attractive to you? And do you think it makes it more likely to happen? Uh, more attractive? I'm still... I'm, I'm it's, resident. It's dicey. I'm, I'm with it's you. dicey. I'm with you, but... I mean, it's a conversation you bet it does yeah, exactly i mean i think it's i think it's probably going to be the only way we're going to be able to serve the other way we could do it and this is the second question was we got to get some of those people out of there that are the business as usual crowd i mean we've got to get the the merricks and the and the thompsons and the lebons out of there we've got to get uh you know the uh the uh you know the 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 wishy-washies and and uh, the stutzes, you know, the people who've been there for a long time and who keep doing the same thing and and throwing, flipping the party table over, essentially. Um, and we've got to change that, right? This is the year to do it. You know, I know that there's a lot of discouragement with this ballot measure, too, and the jungle primary and ranked choice voting. That feels like 52-card pickup, doesn't it? Right, right. Um, but... I'm encouraging people learn, learn the game and beat them at it. Yeah, that's the thing. We got to do it again. Not growing. Don't grow weary. Just get, you know, if you can't get motivated, get agitated, I think is what I used to say all the time. <laughs> and maybe that's what we need to do is get more agitated about it. Sarah Vance, uh, again, lovely to speak with you. Thank you so much for coming in and uh, and good luck today on the floor. We look forward to seeing what you guys have to say. All right. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Sarah Vance, our guest here on the program, The Michael Duke Show. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to be joined here by Mike Shower in a minute. Um, it seems we do put new people on and they flip. Someone convinces them, says Edie. And I wouldn't disagree with that. It's almost like it's the Stepford Wives thing, right? I mean, it's almost the Stepford Wives, or not Stepford. Yeah, it was it Stepford, or Pod People, whatever. You send them down there and all of a sudden they... <laughs> They get they get subsumed by everything that's happening, you know. The oh yes, I'm a stalwart defender of mm, must do what I am told, and then it's you know it's all over. It's crazy. Five years of public testimony says Joseph, and there hasn't swayed a single one of these folks on the PFD. That's the literal definition of insanity. He's not wrong. Mike Showers, our guest. You ready to go, sir? Oh, I've got a cup of coffee. I guess that's a yes. <laughs> Hold the line. We're right to jump into it right now. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Here we go.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world uh, on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com where you can pick up the live stream, the podcast, and so much more. Don't forget, podcasts are available every day on CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, just to name a few. Uh, if you subscribe, you'll get that downloaded to your device every day. If you just missed it, we just finished up with uh, Sarah Vance, uh, who is uh, 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 down there in the peninsula and just went through all that mess in the house yesterday. But now we're shifting gears. We're crossing across the hallway into the Senate side of things. And we are joined for our weekly guest, State Senator Mike Schauer from District D, who comes on board to talk with us about what's happening on that side of the lunatic asylum. Um, and uh, <laughs> I mean, are the, are the inmates still in charge, Mike? That's all I want to know. Oh yeah, nothing's changed. Nothing. Yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Not a thing has changed. Um, all right, so <clears throat> I guess first things first, since it's hot and it's uh, it's topical, we just watched this. We just watched yesterday. We watched all these members of the House attempt to put forward five, six amendments to pay a full PFD or back PFD or a form of a PFD or something. And we saw him get riddled with bullet holes over and over again. We saw Andy Josephson mention finally for the first time, really any kind of substantive mention of the of the bipartisan fiscal policy working groups recommendation. But he only pulled out a little bit of it. Uh, never, you know, again, not. I mean, give us your thoughts on what you, what, what happened yesterday. Uh, we watched parts of it, Mike. I mean, I had committee and other stuff going on, obviously, but um, we watched it, had staff watching it. And let me, well, first, the question is for you. Were you surprised at what was said by who and the results at the end of the day on the House controlled by the Democrats. Were you surprised? Well, let me say first, working backwards from that, was I surprised of what the final vote was? No. Was I surprised at some of the talking points? Mm, not really. Um, I mean, it's always, you know, you always get that feeling of refreshment when somebody like Neil Foster stands up and says, this PFD cut is the most regressive tax and blah, blah, until you realize that it's all kabuki theater. It's all it's all just political theater. He swaps the votes with somebody like, uh, I don't know, Kaufman or something, and he could still go home to his constituencies and say, see, I, I fought for a full PFD, even though I'm in the majority and in the leadership of the majority, I can't get the I just, but I voted for you. I mean, it's just, again, kabuki theater. You're not wrong that some people will look at the board and talk to others and count the votes. 
and they will know whether or not they have to vote for or against something. Is it political suicide? Right. Right. And, and they will understand whether or not they have to they, they get the pass, if you will, to vote for something they don't want to vote for. So when they go home, they can say they voted for it. They watch the board. I mean, you've watched this many times, even in the Senate. You'll see somebody here, maybe somebody that promised in their you know, last campaign, I'm going to fight for that full PFD. And then they watch the board because they're the swing vote. <laughs> and right. they're like, and they come down to the end and they're like, oh, right. yeah, yeah. They come down to the end and they're like, mm, OK, I can do. Yeah. And here's the other thing that got me. Let me tell you the one thing, the new narrative that we're seeing out of the House majority. And quite honestly, as I mentioned earlier, this actually started this actually started earlier with the Senate president when the when the Senate had a vote on the full PFD and they started talking about expectations. We just don't want to raise people's expectations uh, that there might be a full PFD and then not have one because that would be crushingly disappointing. And we don't want to pay them a full PFD this year. And then next year, there's no guarantee. Is this sustainable? I mean, we not be we may not be able to pay a full PFD next year. Well, you it, we, nobody expected that you were going to pay a full PFD next year. We don't expect anything at this point, but you've got the opportunity. You've got the money. You've got everything there. Why not pay? Well, we just don't want to raise their hopes. Well, Mike, you know, every politician needs to live or die on what they say and explain it to their constituents. But I will be the same guy I've been from the beginning. I'll tell you exactly what I see and exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to put in amendments for a full PFD this year. I'm going to vote for a full PFD. I will look at a 50-50, as I have said many times in the program, assuming that it either has conditional language that a constitutional amendment passes. Um, and if it does not, then then no. And if it's statutory only, then no, I'm not voting for it. If they tie it to the budget or do anything else, then no, I'm not voting for it. And no, because that's not what the people in my district overwhelmingly want. It's not what I ran on, and it's not what I'm going to do. But, Mike, this is a campaign year. So you're going to watch people count the votes and see, can they get away with it? You talked about, uh, like, you know, Kaufman and uh, Neil Foster swapping votes. Well, to be fair to James... He's never really been the big PFD guy. He didn't really run on that. So, right. you know, you can love or, or you can like that or not. But at least to be fair to him, he's being fairly consistent with his position. He's not switching it because it's a campaign year and his district is just not that fired up about it compared to others. All right. Fair enough. I'd rather deal with somebody like that that's at least honest about it than somebody that's not honest about it or that is switching their votes or playing that count the vote game because it's a campaign year. If you think the freaking little energy rebate, is not bribing people for their votes in an election year, you're a fool or naive, Mike. That's exactly what it is. And they've got to keep it separated from being tied to the permanent fund or the dividend because then it destroys the narrative that the dividend can be paid. Oh, yeah. No, no, any no. Amount. Yeah, it is not an energy. It is has nothing to do with a PFD. No. Absolutely nothing. Sorry. Except that's where the money's coming from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except that's I don't where know the how you get. I don't know how you get away from explaining that. Well, that's kind of where the money's coming from. It's the whole thing of the Mike. I read it. I mean, the fix is in. I, I told you this a month ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, but it's yeah. been probably three or four weeks when I did the whole Facebook Live and the fix was already in and told you, well, guess what? Senate finance, you know, did yesterday. Senate, so it's now we know which bill. It's Senate Bill 199. Right. That's the one they're going to use to bring to the floor. That has the whole poison pill and it's got to have eight hundred million dollars in taxes, right? For this, God, to this is have. this is Bert yeah. Stedman's favorite new ploy. 
tying everything to everything yeah. else. Oh, you can have what you want, but you've got to give us all this to make it. It's it, it's not law until you do this or that. It's not law unless you agree to vote for my thing over here. It's not law if I mean this contingencies on all these things. I mean, I can't even see this, how that's Mike, legal, quite honestly. But Mike, ahead. this is the this is three sections. Read it this morning to refamiliarize myself. Section three four and five of Senate bill 199, which has the infamous, Oh, look, yes, we will give you the 50, 50 um, split of the earnings of the percent of market value. Um, but we have to raise $800 million in taxes by 2026. And if not, then this fails and you revert to and stay at basically the legislature can do whatever the heck it wants. Legislature. Right. Although they're so, saying the 75, 25, right? Because that's, their well, that's thing. what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yes. But Mike, even then, <laughs> come on, even then it doesn't say shall, it says may right. appropriate. Yeah. So it doesn't even then say that they're going to do it. It just says, Oh, well, that we, we may, I'm reading it right now. We may appropriate the money if we feel that we want to give money to people, you know, in our benevolence, then yes, we will do it. Mike, this, this it's, it's either it was this or it was the step down plan. It was, oh, we're going to do 50 50 this year. Woohoo, you guys should be excited by that $2,400 PFD as compared to that $4,200 that we can afford without even one penny of deficit spending this year. But next year, Charlie Brown, I'm going to pull the football out from under you. We're going to go back to like $1,100 PFD. Right. Then we're going to step it up to a twelve hundred, woohoo, and then a thirteen hundred, and three or four years down the road, yeah, well, trust us, Charlie Brown, trust us. <laughs> we're going to look at it then and come back and wink, wink. We'll we'll think about that fifty fifty PFT, Mike. That's what I said. I, the fix has been in for some time. I was just waiting to see what 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 I told you then a month ago. What was it going to be? Which bill were they going to use? What drug deals have been worked out from finance co-chairs to the House finance co-chairs? Who was going to vote for what? Where did the votes sit in the count? Now it's all kind of coming to fruition. We're seeing it all play out on the House floor. We're going to watch it in the Senate over the next week or two. This is where you are. It's, right. it's, it's happening as I predicted it would. I knew it, but you got to see it, right? You got to see them finally come out and have to put it out in front of everybody. You go, okay, now well, I know what they're up to and how they're going to do it. So I'm so glad that the, uh, that the Senate finance uh, chairs are working the will of the uh, of the majority caucus, I'm so glad that that's what we're looking at right here, right? Me because too. that's what we were yeah. promised. Senate President said, "Oh no, they're going to work the will of the majority caucus. They're not going to go out on their own. They're not going to let their own, you know, personal philosophies on the PFD and everything. This is going to be the will of the caucus." First of all, how do you even know what the will of the caucus is? Is if you haven't? I mean, I'm assuming you still even haven't had a caucus. We're 90 days into the session almost. You even haven't haven't even had a a, a caucus meeting yet, right? No, we haven't. <laughs> so it's good to know that they're working towards the will of the caucus, without even really officially knowing what the will of the caucus. Man, this I'm ca- not sure what that will is. <laughs> this caucus of equals thing is really working out well for you guys. Yeah, you know, we're kind of just a bunch of individuals running around talking as we can and whatever. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, Mike. I, I don't. I know I have a pretty good idea what the fix is now. I don't know what the final plan is. I've requested a caucus meeting, so at least before we go into these battles on the floor, we can all look each other in the eye, right, and uh, have some idea of what people are up to and, and, and how they answer questions or don't answer questions. But... So far, we haven't had one. So I don't know, Mike. We may run to the floor without ever having met and talked about this. We're just going to have to duke it out and see what happens. But 
I go back, same thing. I know you're just talking to Sarah. I listened to you ask her at the end about ConCon, and I know she's still reticent and you too. And and I said it myself, Mike. I'm not like going to this like, woohoo, costumes for convention, crack that baby open. I'm going, okay, it's not my you know, the preferred option, but I don't know what else to do at this point because look at what we're talking about right now. Yeah. We're gonna just screw the middle class over, we're gonna screw the poor over, we're gonna take care of government, and that's gonna be it. And I'm looking at you guys and go, what do you expect us to do? A, a majority of the 60 legislators are not interested in solving the problem. And when they stand up on the floor, like you said, Joseph, oh, well, we're a fiscal policy working group. Where? The fiscal policy working group had a comprehensive plan that solved the problem across the board. Every piece of it, taxes, spending cap, PFD, all of it. They're not touching a fraction of that, Mike, if any quite frankly. So who's got to solve the problem? I hate to tell you folks, but you do. And the only way you're going to solve it, and I'm tired of hearing, well, let's just vote them out. Well, we've tried that. You've replaced Mm -hmm. two thirds of the legislature in the last seven, eight years. The problem hasn't changed. Maybe it's time you take it back in your hands. You got one shot at it, folks, one shot only. And you're going to be back to complaining about how the legislators never listen to you. You got a shot this November (laughs) to vote for that constitutional convention, put in regular good old Joe, the plumbers, and housewives that know how to balance a flipping checkbook and get it done. Take it out of our hands and do it. I don't know what else to tell you because it doesn't matter. Logic doesn't apply here, Mike. This is I'm trying to think of some good, you know, wherever where you enter the twilight zone and, you know, up is down and down is up. Logic right. doesn't apply here, yeah. you know. No. It just does. Something's in the water. I don't know. What we have here is a failure to communicate. It's a failure to communicate. <laughs> That's exactly right. Some man <laughs> cannot be reached. Um, and, and that's exactly where it is. And, if, and, and quite honestly, uh, and you don't have to comment on this because I don't want you to get in trouble, but quite honestly, what we have here is a failure of leadership. That's really what we have here. And uh, I uh, <clears throat> I couldn't say it any other way. And, and maybe, maybe we'll see some changes uh, come uh, come election time. But maybe it won't be enough. And you're right. Uh, even though I am reticent and very hesitant on the whole CONCON uh, con, uh, uh, issue, at this point, it looks more and more like it's the only solution to this problem. So, And, Mike, if you don't do it now, you're done. It is gone. I'm trying to convince people. I understand if you have reticence on it, so do I. But you got one shot at it. And then it's a decade before you have another shot at it because initiatives are expensive, hard to do, almost never pass. So you're not going to be able we'll do a citizen's initiative. Yeah, right. That, that almost never works mm-hmm. unless you're Scott Kendall and you take $10 million of out-of-state dark money to pass an initiative about dark money. Dark money. Dark money. Using dark money. Dark money. Right? So right dark yeah. money. So dark. you got one shot, folks. And if you don't take it now, the state is going it's, to – it's <laughs> over. You're, you've lost PFD. It's gone. And yeah. Quite frankly, the state's turning more blue with people moving up from the left coast. It ain't getting better as hardworking regular people move out of the state because we're trying to crush oil and gas. So where do you think the state's headed, folks? That's my point to you. You got a yeah. shot in November, and then it's over. All right. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Hold. Oh, just grab the reins. And, uh, whoa, fine, whoa, fine, fine. Whoa, there, boy. Whoa. <laughs> Hold the line. Uh, back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget to join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. We'll be back with more and Mike Shower right after this.
We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Deep breath. Deep breath. We're ready to go. We're in the break. Hanging out, just you and me and 85 of our closest friends right now on Facebook and YouTube. Um, all right, Mike. I uh, <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it. I would just be climbing the walls at this point. Um, I don't know how much change is going to happen come election season. But, uh, huh? Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, you show don't. me the strong candidates because you're not going to get rid of some of these people unless you have strong candidates. You have some people you go, that person is never going to be that person, and they keep running over and over for office. I go, unless you find the right strong challenger, you're going to have the same people come back. Yeah, that's what happens. <clears throat> yeah, like, don't don't. Just yeah, don't send the perennial candidate back who runs for every office that's available. Don't send the same candidate back that has been defeated six or seven times. I mean, at some point, there's a perception versus reality thing that you've got to acknowledge. Every one of these candidates should have a strong, especially. In these, especially in these districts, where the where the 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 incumbents have been censured or chastised by the parties and things like that, I mean, why isn't the party going out there and actively recruiting and finding people to run against these folks? I mean, that's what kills me. Uh, you know, a lot of the problem that we have in this state can be laid directly back at the feet of the Republican Party. Going all the way back, you know, prior to Palin and everything else, you got the whole dust up with Rudrick and every, I mean, they really have done nothing but circled the wagons and shot themselves in the face. That's all they've done. Turned inward and just started blasting away. And we, we're reaping that reward right now. Well, you talked about leadership, Mike, and and I won't disagree with you there that especially when you go to, um, you know, looking at the party, the, the Republican Party as a whole. One, conservatives are really good at circling the wagons. We've talked about that and shooting inwards and fratricide, fratting ourselves, we'd call the military, where you fratricide, right, when you, when you shoot a friendly, um, you know, uh, usually hopefully not on purpose, but that right. you, you know, you turn inwards. Like, oh, we should be pointing the guns outwards because we are, you know, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that we disagree with. Our fight ought to be with, you know, liberals, progressive, Marxist, you know, Democrats, whatever, on a lot of the issues, there's things we work together on, but we tend to turn inwards and shoot each other, right? A lot. And so part of it is, you know, a fratricide problem where we do that to ourselves and then leadership, right? You know, oh, we got to have the big tent or we got to have this or that district is not worth it or whatever. We don't fight. I remember this a couple of years ago. I was disappointed. I, I, I had supported Stanley Wright. And, you know, he's a young black man, conservative, you know, military veteran, just a really good young, I say kid, right? Good young man. And, and he was awesome. And, but the party gave him zero support. And he was running against Ivy Spawnholes. And Ivy Spawnholes was going through uh, neighborhoods and saying, I'm your conservative candidate. Because Stanley would go through the neighborhood later and he would be like, hey, I'm your Republican conservative. Like, no, no, this, this gal came through. She said she was the conservative. He's like, what? I mean, and he, 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 it was like 55 to 45. I mean, the guy could have been over the top had he gotten a lot of support and people out knocking doors. And they, you know, that's the kind of stuff where you go, oh, we're failing miserably at times to to do what needs to be done as a party. Not only is not shooting ourselves as Republicans or conservatives or independents, but also 
how we um, grassroots organize ourselves, we're terrible at that compared to Democrats and the left. Terrible. Right. Horrible. Don't do a good job of it. No. And, and it, part of it is is a philosophical thing, you know, where, it, you know, conservatives and independents, they're more, you know, they're more rugged individualists. And uh, and the and the left and the progressives, they are more kumbaya communalists. And so they have no problem coming together and working together where the rest of us are like, I'm going to do it. Well, I'm a maverick. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm no, going to. You also. You know, yeah. That's that's true, but you have a union factor here too, right? Oh yeah, Unions absolutely. Paid paid leave to their union members to go out and canvas neighborhoods and hold right, signs. Right. Get, sending them on buses from Anchorage to the Matsu to sit on street corners and hold signs. I'm like, because Michelle and I have run into them. What are you doing? Oh yeah, the union sent us up here in a bus to hold signs. I'm like, that must be nice to have that kind of support. Yeah. Well, that that's my point. I can be done with it. I'm just like, but Republicans don't get that support. They don't get unions sending out hundreds of people to canvas neighborhoods for free because yeah. they got all the money they want. So it's a, we have challenges. All right. <clears throat> like and share this video. Like and follow the show page if you haven't before. Please like and follow to make sure you get notifications. If you're watching on YouTube, click the subscribe button and ring the bell. Let's get back down into it. We're about to rejoin the radio. State Senator Mike Schauer is our guest. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Let's do it. All right. <clears throat> We're now uh, continuing with State Senator Mike Schauer, GOP State Senator from District E, for what we lovingly like to call the Shower Hour of Power, because uh, <laughs> he's got something to say and uh, he's not afraid to say it. All right. Um, I want to give you your head to let you talk about the things you want to talk about, and I'm going to leave that for the next segment. And now we're going to bring up your favorite topic, which uh, I always cringe when I ask you because I know it's a hard thing to talk about and you don't want to give away strategies and everything else. But at some point, Mike, some point, and I ask this at least every maybe once a time we talk, maybe every other time. But how, every how every time. just every time, <laughs> how much more of this can you take before you look at this and go, well, this caucus is some real Bert Stedman right here. This is some real BS. I mean, we cannot. No, it's no, no. It's just not. No. I, I mean, you, you know, I mean, I got to be honest. At some point, I, if I was down there, I mean, I probably I would. This is why I would make a horrible politician. But I would be like, uh, you know, hey, take this and pound this right where you and get out. That's what I would say. Uh, what do you, I mean, what do you say to that? People look at this like, can't you form something? Can't you do something different? Can we create three different caucuses? Or is it all, you know, you've got the majority of the majority, but you've got the minority that tell us what's going on. Well, I mean, look, let's talk about a couple of things that I hear. First of all, I did that in 2018. I saw the the evils of a, and the unethical nature of a binding rule and said, I'm not even going to join your stupid caucus. This just doesn't make sense. And then Shelly Hughes got out, and there was just the two of us. And then in 2019, we said, well, we couldn't break the binding caucus, but we had more people, you know, um, that were in the Senate. It was Hughes, Reinbold, myself, you know, a little bit more tenuous, right? Mia was, Costello was kind of like, wasn't real comfortable with it. And so the dynamics were changing, right? And so um, I thought we would do good with Laddie Shaw coming over, but then that whole thing happened where Giesel and Coghill did their little underhanded whatever they did 
um, with uh, Reback, and then Reback came in, and, and you know, because uh, Giesel had some really negative comments. We talked about that years ago, you know, over you know, very pointed and negative comments towards the military. I didn't realize how right. anti-veteran that lady was and is. Right. And so then all of a sudden Laddie doesn't get in there because Laddie has backbone and he was, you know, going to hold his line against the PFD, whatever, and stick to his promise. And so then that number changed. And so you have all these little things that change, right, from a voting perspective. And then it kind of got back to the, well, you know, okay, well, we're not going to play this stupid game. Stedman is the and Von Imhoff were the finest co-chairs. We went through that whole thing of the budget reductions, the vetoes, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, by January 2020, you know, some of us that held the line got slaughtered, right? A little binding caucus rule, they kicked us out of everything, took everything away. So essentially, we weren't in the caucus anyways. We, we stuck around, but there was nothing we could do. I mean, whether we were in it or we gave it to the Democrats, neither was a good option, right? Right, because right. All they would have done if the four or five of us that got slaughtered walked away was they would have just pulled the Democrats in. They would have still owned the majority, but they could have gotten what they wanted anyway. So we're like, well, you know, it's more fun to sit inside the caucus and throw spears <laughs> and, and, and know what they're up to. Right. Because they're going to roll us anyways. They have the numbers with the Democrats. So it didn't matter which way we went. And then that's kind of where we are right now, Mike. It's kind of the same thing. They've already threatened us. Stedman threatened us right up front. He's like, he'll just join with the Democrats. And if you think for one second, the Democrats won't take that deal even for a month or two to have committee chairmanships and the ability to run some things through. Come on, guys, don't be naive. They will take it in a heartbeat, even if it's for a short time, because it's power. So um, don't think for one second that if we, the five or six of us decided that's it, we're done, that they're not just going to go grab the Democrats and have another Musk Ox caucus. And even for a short time, of course they will. They said Stepman threatened us with that with organizing last year. He said, oh, if you guys aren't going to join and I don't get to be the finance coach here, well, then I'm just going to go join with the Democrats. And there's five of us and six of them. We're going to have majority. Told us flat out. Wasn't even didn't even equivocate about it. So we're back to we don't have enough numbers yet so to, this to is, play that game. This is more of a defensive posture than anything else is what you're well, saying. Well, it kind of has to be, Mike. Right. Until we have enough people, we got a couple of people in the middle that don't stick on either side. So I can't, I, we can't rely on those couple people to give us the numbers to then join with a few Democrats. For example, people thought, well, why don't we do this on a pro PFD thing? Well, we don't have seven or eight Republicans that are going to stick with us on that PFD issue. You ought to know looking at the votes. So, you know, you have a couple Democrats like you got Donnie Olson, Bill Wilkowski, Scott Kawasaki that have been real strong on the dividend. Well, show me the eight Republicans that have been staunch on the dividend lately. To give us a majority. The votes aren't there, brother. So I go back to you can do it, but you're going to just watch the Democrats join with those Republicans, have a majority and screw you anyways. And then Democrats are in control uh, you know, of certain committees and people are going to be happy about that. Right. So I'm just trying to point out the numbers that we don't have them yet, Mike. After this next election, if all of a sudden we had eight or nine you know, Republicans that were solid, we could do it. And we could hold that line. But those numbers don't exist, brother. Watch the votes on the board and see who votes for what and who said what in campaigns. They're not all sticking to it. They don't have those numbers. And then, as I've told you before, there is one reason that I'm holding out some hope of sitting around for a little while, right, is because that election bill is still sitting there that has important stuff we need. God help us with ranked choice voting. Um, and I'm working with Chris Tuck on this, you know, trying to get this done in the next four five, six weeks. There's a, there's a chance, right, that that pretty girl at the prom date, you're like, there's a chance, right, that she might, get, you know, right. say yes and go to the prom with me, um, that we could get that through. And it's got important <laughs> stuff in it, um, ballot tracking and, 
and, and uh, you know, chain of custody stuff. So what are you laughing? I don't know what you're laughing at. Me. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing because I'm looking, thinking of Mike Shower looking at a girl saying, you want to dance? And she goes, I would only dance with you if you're the last man on earth. And you're saying, so, so there's, there's a, a chance. chance. <laughs> very true. Very true. So <laughs> that, that one bill, Mike, if we could get that one, would will make such a difference on the security of our election. It's not everything we want, but it's all I can get with a house controlled by Democrats. But if there are some important steps. And so, you know, if I got to suck it up for another few weeks as we're going through this to get that done, because it wouldn't matter what we do anyways. Well, what's the point of our protest is stepping out with five or six of us if we're going to lose anyways. And I'm going to lose bipartisan election reform. And, you know, so, Mike, all of this stuff is a compromise, one or the other. You know this as well as anybody. We talk about it. You've been this year, you know, dealing with this world for years, trying to make the best choices that we can with not a lot of good ones in front of us. So, um, you know, fight the PFD battle. I've already said what we're going to do there in the budget, um, you know, and I'd like to get that election thing done if we can with something. But that's about as far as it's going to go at best. So that may be the only real bipartisan bill that's got a hope going through because there's Democrats in the House that support it. Right. Um, right. So uh, not not a good answer that anybody wants to hear. I don't like it either. I'm just, well, you know me. I tell you what I see is what it is. The pro PFD uh, folks, um, because I mean, I think I really I mean, we need to because people, you know, maybe not be paying attention to every vote uh, and everything else. The pro PFD folks in the Senate are yourself, Shelley Hughes, Mia Costello, uh, Laura Reinbold. Um and Roger Holland. That's the five. And Rob Meyer and Rob, Rob Meyer. Meyer the six. Too. Okay, so you got six that are solid. Uh, that and, means, and I will say this with David Wilson. Wilson has always also we we disagree at the end of the day when we lose the PFD battle because he'll vote for the budget, which I disagree with because that's how they're funding it. But he is just for the voting spot. David has always voted for the PFD, so I would count his vote on that because he's been consistent for the PFD. It just it's a difference of opinion and how to do it at the end when it fails. Right. So, so that's so that's seven who are pro PFD on the Republican majority side. And that leaves everybody else <clears throat> out on the other side, which would be Von Imhoff, Click Bishop, Bert Stedman, Josh Revac, and Peter Machicki. That's the and other Gary Stevens. And Gary Stevens. So it's essentially a six to seven that's it. It's six to seven at this if, point. Yeah. Regardless of, of what you think about who and, and not getting into opinions or anything else, just looking at the board, if we're talking about how they vote, what you just said is, is historically accurate. That's how the votes over the last year or two have played out. That's where their stance seems to be based on how they're going to vote um, right now. I don't know how this will play out with all the money we have and all this going on, but the historic positions based on what you just said is accurate. <clears throat> almost makes me want to vote for Josh Revac for Congress just to get him out of the Senate. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> and you're three and three in the Democrats, by the way. And, and, well, not including Lyman Hoffman because he's wherever he goes and you never know because yeah. he'll wait and he'll yeah, but choose we'll, his vote at the very end. Yeah, so. but Will Lukowski and, and Scott Kawasaki and Donnie Olson are all pro-PFD yes. in that regard. So. Correct. Yeah. Um, Man, I just so your I just can't, I just do not envy you. I do not envy you uh, on this whole situation right now, for sure. Um, somebody said uh, we were talking about the concon here a minute ago. We got about three minutes here, two and a half, three minutes. Um, but they were concerned about the length of time that that's going to take. Um, 
And uh, some people are saying five to six years overall to get that fixed. And that could be, but it still may be one of the only ways to fix it. Have you looked at the timeline on this? Mike, it could be anything. That's the point is that anybody says they know is lying to you right. because nobody knows. But it depends on the lieutenant governor. And, you know, who, who's the lieutenant governor pick for who? Who gets elected into office this November? Because if it's a lieutenant governor that's a staunch conservative that's all about doing the right thing and the Constitutional Convention gets voted on, they set the timeline. They set it up. So the lieutenant governor has the power to do all these things. And unless the legislature can come together with a two-thirds majority and this, that, and the other, and that, well, then it's going to be what the lieutenant governor calls in a lot of cases. So, because this legislature has really shown its ability to get together and do that, right? So, you know, the lieutenant governor will have a, a lot of power on how this plays out. Go back and look how it's supposed to set up. We've talked about it here, and that's kind of how this will play out. So, it depends on who that person is. And, you know, if we get a Governor Walker with a dry guess, good luck. You know, you're going to get hosed on this one. God knows what they'll do. They'll stretch it out and do whatever they would do. But, you know, if you had somebody that was a solid conservative lieutenant governor, then it's it could go very quickly. We could have the rules set in place by the end of 23 and, and have the Constitutional Convention in early, mid-2024 and have it on the ballot by November 24. You absolutely could do that. It's going to depend on how it plays out. Yeah. And, and those that don't want it are going to try to stretch it probably as long as they can and try to turn people against it or get more people involved, et cetera, et cetera. The sooner it's done, in my opinion, the better. And it is absolutely possible to do so. And remember, it has first call in the Treasury. They can't we can't not fund it. So, you know, the legislature and the little games that these finance coaches love to play with getting their little hands on all the money. They don't have an option. It says it right in the Constitution. First call. So it will be funded and it will be in accordance with the call as the lieutenant governor puts it on unless the legislature can come together and write the rules and override that, which is probably not likely. Right. Uh, just another reason why we need to be paying close attention to the gubernatorial election, because not only will we be voting for a constitutional convention, we'll also be voting for the governor and lieutenant governor, and we've got to make sure that we get both of those things in there at the same time um, and not get somebody like Walker or Guerra or somebody like that who will slow walk this until the end of the next decade at this point. So, yeah, yeah, it could happen, but not the most likely option, in my opinion. Yeah. And it could happen actually very quickly. It, it could. It's just there's a lot of it depends. My point is anybody that says they know what's going to happen is full of baloney. They don't know nothing. Nobody can because there's too many variables to be played out in this, Mike. They, they just are. Mike Showers, our guest, state senator, GOP state senator, District E. We're going to continue with him. One final segment where I just let him take the wheel. God help us all. We're going to be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. <clears throat> That's why we need to elect Charlie Pearson, E.D. Grunewald, says Terry. I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I think that'd be a good choice if you're looking for a strong, conservative, business-minded group, uh, a, a couple who uh, could put an administration together to get that done. I think we could count on. I think we could count on that for sure. <clears throat> All right. Well, we could talk about ED um, from a perspective of lieutenant governor based on the previous conversation. Um, I don't know who Mike's picked. 
He hasn't picked anybody. Yeah, He's he, waiting and waiting. And so yeah, I don't know. I don't and know. I can't even. I can't comment. Yay or nay? Because I know what I know what Pierce has now picked is Edie, and I know Edie have talked to her. We've known her for years, and on the election stuff, she would be strong, and she would give us what we would need. I think to make all this work out and to start fixing some of those issues, those things that I can't get from the current lieutenant governor, and that have been a struggle, like that report, the election report from Shibaka. Right. Edie would have handed it to me in person the day I asked. Right. Like I can't get that damn report. Still don't have it, even though I was promised by the governor, lieutenant governor last year, I'd have it. I still don't have a subpoena from the Senate president who gave one to Von Imhoff for the witch hunt against, you know, whoever filed Angela Rodell and why. But I don't have one for a report that I've been asking for for almost a year that was produced for the public. Right. That is not redacted. So, yeah, I'm kind of looking for who that person is going to be and how they're going to help actually solve some of our issues versus obfuscate and hide behind smoke screens. And not do what needs to be done. We're still part of Eric, Mike. Right. We're still part of Eric. And that's run by money from George Soros and the rest of them. It is a private entity that is directing how we do reporting and stuff for our election system. A yeah. private entity. And why we're in that paying money to them, where the director of the division of elections with no oversight from the governor or lieutenant governor, no oversight from the legislature, is able to make policy and work with 30 other states on what we do and don't do and report on. That's the kind of stuff going on that everybody's like, huh, what? Yeah, maybe you ought to look at that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm pretty interested in who the lieutenant governor picks are going to be. <laughs> well, I, I got to be honest with you. I am I'm surprised and shocked at this point that uh, Dunleavy has not announced a running mate at this point. I don't know what he's waiting on, what he's trying to do. Uh, what you know, what he's trying to juggle on there, but that just to me, it just doesn't make any uh, make any sense not to at least have put a team together at this point. To me, and this is just me. This is not Mike Shower. I don't want anybody to say Mike Shower said this. No, to me, it just shows indecisiveness. Uh, quite honestly, uh, which is again indicative of uh, what I have seen overall in this administration is a lack of leadership, and uh, and that's a problem uh, going on. Uh, for sure. And, and, and that's, we suffering, we're suffering that at, at the, at all levels is right now is a lack of leadership at pretty much all levels. Um, although I guess you could argue that those on the other side of the philosophical aisle are doing a great job with their leadership roles because they're pushing and punching through exactly what they wanted to punch through. Yeah. And we have some Republicans that are helping it happen by not stepping up or holding the line or, you know, pulling, um, pulling punches when they don't, when they need to be swinging harder uh, because the other side is more than happy to do that. Right. When they want something, they can be just as vicious. I mean, in, in, the, in the way that politics is war, it's an extension of it. Right. But it's a nonviolent means. So the reality is you got to punch hard for, and fight for the stuff that you believe in and what you want. And I would, and, and I'm not going to comment on what the governor's reasons are for doing things. I don't know what they are, but my concern is that you will start losing momentum because the others are gaining momentum by naming who their running mates are, start building their team, start building up momentum towards why you'd vote for us. And, and concerning the current ticket for um, the current governor, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what to think. It's kind of being lost in the shuffle. We're not even talking about it. And the other teams are building up momentum. So I, you know, I just would like to know who it's going to be so I can decide, is that somebody that's going to work for the things that I want to get accomplished. And a lot of it cycles around the election system, right. right? And, and what we can do. So right. I have big question marks there. Mike, but like I said to me, that's a, what really bothers me is a lack of momentum, right? Cause you wait and wait and wait to announce while everybody else does it. 
you know, while it could be strategic at the end to know, you know, what you would need after everybody else has announced, well, they've announced for some time now. Right. Well, and, and it could be it could be as simple as he's looking to pick a legislator, so he wants to wait till the session's over or something. But again, at this point, I mean, you could have you could have you but, you could have announced Mike, that before I mean, the on, session. I mean, but, you know, if you did that, I mean, if you picked a legislator and they agreed to that, they would most likely either one want to resign that seat so they could start campaigning and raising money and get their name out there and start building that momentum. And then the governor would have the ability to pick who he wanted to replace them. Right. So to me, that argument doesn't hold water. Not not saying, you know, pointing that spirit to you. I'm just saying that to me, um, no. from a strategy perspective, that's not a smart way to play it because you could get that legislator and replace it with whoever you thought was the best pick. No, I mean, I agree. I'm just saying it's maybe it's one possibility. I mean, who knows at this point? We're, it's all speculation at this point, right? We have no idea. I, yeah, I have no idea. I have yeah. no idea. Club. I just I, I get concerned about lack of momentum if you don't get into the game and, and start building it. And, and it feels like it's just, you know, like things are slipping away. And then you got the special election coming up and all this garbage. And you got ranked choice voting. It's just, I mean, in August is going to be a, oh, my goodness. So. Well, we need to, uh, you know, we need to do our best to make the changes we can in November. But at the same time, again, I think the CONCON has now become top of the list as things that need to happen as well. We got to jump back into it here. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share. Here we go. Okay, one final segment here of the program for today. Getting ready to wrap things up uh, the last uh, 10, 12 minutes here. Mike Schauer is our guest, and uh, I'm going to give him, uh, like I said, I'm going to pass him the wheel and let him steer the bus for a little bit here. Uh, God help us all. Please put your seatbelts on before we go any further here and make sure your airbags will deploy. Uh, Mike Schauer, uh, your final thoughts here. What you know? What else? What else have we not hit on that you definitely want to dive into and talk about, or what should we revisit? Let's let's go. Well, um, first of all, you always say that, and then you ask some question that just dives us down a rabbit hole. So we'll see how this plays out. But I'm, I'm going to mums the word. Said. I've zipped it up and thrown away the key. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so there is one that popped up yesterday that's very concerning. I'm a little miffed right now, so we'll see how this plays out. But um, there was Senate Bill, I think it's 241, that apparently was drafted in December by the um, governor's office, which was related to the infrastructure money. I just saw it in the last day or two. It just popped up on the radar. But what it looks like now is it's going to go direct to finance. And it's the better part of a billion dollars of this money that's going to be spread out through the fingers of finance members. Um, to the state and or through the governor's office. Because if you remember back in 2020, when the CARES Act money came in, we had the whole legal battle because everybody's afraid of the zombie apocalypse that wasn't. And so we ran home really quickly as a legislature and, and gaveled out real fast. Right. And then we went through that RPL process that then the governor basically was handing out the money for the CARES Act all over the state doing whatever, you know, and you got that long list I put on Facebook a couple nights ago um, that just showed the, the hundreds of millions of dollars and things like, 45000 for a trail in Juneau and all these other things like that and for a sports club or, you know, whatever. You're like, what? What does that have to do with freaking COVID? You know, and there was all this money that was spread all over the place. And, you know, it was 
500 billion, I think, as I put out there for business relief and 350 for this billion for this. And now you got this other money coming in from the infrastructure. And after that battle from a couple of years ago of the RPL process and the legal court challenges and whatever, we're kind of back to we don't know what the rules are. And yet, as I understand, until perhaps May or even June. And yet we have this better part of a billion dollars that all of a sudden I see a bill. And here's pages of a bill, Mike, and it's got money spread all over the state, like $10 million for ferry something. And it says districts one through 40. I'm like, that doesn't apply to all the districts. Who's getting the money? Who decided who's getting the money? Where's the money going? I don't have an answer to it. 23 million for runway resurfacing in Haines, because you know, Haines is a big international airport. 23 million? I mean, there's there's money like this all over, Mike, and I'm going, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost like the Biden caucus thing again. I'm like, um, who, who's doing this? And and where the who's got their paws on the money? And so it's going to be finance co-chairs again are going to decide where the money goes in the state because that works out real well for my district, which consistently gets screwed over. Like when Stedman pulled money for safety roads and other projects um, because he wanted to force people to vote for the budget. No. So is it the governor's office that decided where this stuff went? Is it the it can be the finance co-chairs in both bodies? And and how do we get a bite at the apple, right? I'm looking at the same thing. I'm like, does this go through policy? How come this didn't go to is this going to go to transportation? Because it's mostly infrastructure, We're talking roads, bridges, ferry, airport, stuff like that. Or when are we going to do this? So I'm looking at this right now, going, here we go again, Mike. Hundreds of millions of dollars are going to flow into the state and most of us are going to have little to no input to this whatsoever. I mean, how does the finance co-chairs, how do they know what the priorities are in my district if we have an extra billion dollars to spend? How do they right. know? I don't know what's important in their district. They don't know what's important in mine. I don't know what's important in that one or that one or this one over here. I know what my district needs, right? I know a pretty good idea what the Matsu needs, for example, but or Valdez. But I don't know what they need in Fairbanks. I don't know what they need in Bethel or Sitka or Kodiak, right? So here we go again with another tranche of money flowing in with just a handful of people apparently going to get their hands on it. I hope it doesn't work out this way, but I predict that it will because this is what I see taking out of the process. Look, my, all the subcommittees for the budget have closed. They're done. They closed them down with almost no meetings. And that was directed by the finance co-chair was told, told all this, the finance members initially don't even have any meetings, which you know, like I've talked about that before. And most of them rebelled against that said, heck no, I'm going to at least have a couple meetings, you know, with, with, other legislators talk about it right uh, but they're all closed out so I, I think this goes to finance and i go and then what wait we're not going to battle this out on the floor over you know dozens of pages of hundreds of millions of dollars spent all over the state right now we're trying to investigate from omb and find out where's the money going who made that decision and so there's things like this happening again mike and you're sitting there scratching your head going you got to be kidding me once again um, we're not going to have any input to this and not going to know where the money goes and who's this real. We'll find it. Eventually we can find it, but then, then it's too late. Right. And is it going to be the governor that gets to do it all, uh, and his people or is, is the regular legislators going to have it? Is it going to be ledge budget and audit that makes the decision for all of us again? Look, who's on that committee. Right. So, um, don't worry, kind of <clears throat> here, don't, but. don't, don't worry, Mike. They know exactly what to do with it. 
They yeah. just sure. sit in the corner, Mike, and be quiet because the adults are talking and they know exactly what. Go what they need along to, do. to get along, do what you're told, and trust me, you'll be fine. Right? Because that's worked out so far. <laughs> yeah, Mike, I'm frustrated, brother. This one bothers me, and I can see this coming already. And I talked to a few other senators yesterday. They didn't know. They're upset, including a couple on finance that are a little bit miffed. Uh, we actually heard a bill from Senator Wilikowski yesterday in state affairs, which I like. It's about the revised uh, process legislature, RPL. Revised, uh, anyways, I can't remember what it was, but the RPL, I always get that word wrong. Uh, but that's how um, the governor spends that money in the between us and the legislature if we're not there, like we're not meeting. Right. And his proposal is like, well, you know, and, and we talked about it in state affairs yesterday, so we had a hearing on the bill. And unfortunately, we wish we could have probably done this sooner to work through it. But he's like, you know, hey, the, and his points are valid. He's like, the legislature is the appropriating body. We have the power of the purse. That shouldn't be the governor. It doesn't matter who the governor is. It'd be your governor or somebody else's, right, depending on the, the year. It should be the legislature doing this, not the governor. And if you look at it, it, he believes it's unconstitutional, which I look at the data and I would tend to agree with him, that it is unconstitutional for the governor to just spend this money any governor to do that. It's not related to the current governor, just the process. And the legislature should be doing this. And in fact, we don't. And even if ledge budget and audit, audit was to meet, as you read it and say, well, we don't agree with this. Here's our recommendation. After 45 days, the governor can just do whatever he wants anyways right. and spend the money. Right. So you go, holy mackerel, that's hundreds of millions of dollars to be spread right. around the state. And so, this anyways. new bill, this new bill, I assume, is not, we're not talking about pennies here. We're talking about a billion, B, billion dollars. Almost a billion dollars, I believe. I want to say 850 something, but don't hold me to that number. But it's it's the infrastructure money, at least some portion of it coming this way. And it's a lot of money in a campaign year with the legislature <clears throat> having, well, I should say most of the legislature having apparently little to no influence on where it goes. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh huh. I see. I hear you laugh, and I go, I yeah. know, me too. I mean, you know, what, what do you, you know, yeah. What else do you do? This is it. I mean, and the governor uh, putting it forward now. I mean, this could have been put forward earlier. I mean, the bill's been passed for two months now, and they're just bringing it forward now. But once all the what about you know why didn't they bring it forward when the subcommittees were still in place and paneled and still you know still meeting? I mean, what's going on? Well, that's what I'm asking questions on, Mike. I'm a little bit concerned that there's backroom deals being made again um hate to use the word quid pro quo here in this sense but i gotta wonder you know are deals already being struck for who's going to have their uh you know fingers in the pie for distributing this money and are we going to just roll a bunch of legislators again that don't have any input in the process am i going to watch my district and the matsu which is the one growing part of the state gets shorted again by a finance coach here that hates the matsu um, and pull money from us while, you know, all the other districts that are friendly or the go along to get along crowd because they've all been there together forever, um, you know, make sure the money funnels that way. I can see it happening, Mike. It happens all the time. You know, if, if you play nice and you're on the team, well, yeah, you get what you want. If you don't, then you're screwed. And that's one of my concerns is that, you know, for example, the Matsu, which needs infrastructure badly, not just repair, but growth because we're having it like Fairbanks with its four lane highways everywhere downtown. Um, is not going to get that money, right? And that's not going to be right because we're not going to have the ability, best I can tell, to battle this out. We'll see. Could be wrong, but based on history, I'm predicting I'm not, and I, I feel like we're not going to have the input. This is, and I'd like to know how much of this comes out of the geo bond. Remember that geo bond that wasn't right, going to go anywhere the right. governor had for about three, three hundred forty million or something like that. I'm right. like, I wonder if some of this is spread out that way too. 
covering those things. It's better than bonding it because I wasn't a fan of the bond to begin with. But um, anyways, I don't know, Mike, that was, I just wanted to throw that one out there for everybody to look at because that's a, that's a big deal. And I just put out on Facebook, the OMB links to look at where all the CARES Act money went and it's pages and pages of data trying to drill down to where this money went. And it went all over the place. Um, and some of the stuff you're just going to look at that and you just have to scratch your head and go, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, what, yeah, what does that have to do with COVID relief? What does that exactly have to do with, uh, but this is the nature of a man and they, and they're counting on us. They're counting on us not to, not to pay attention to this. I, I gotta be I honest. Know. That's what they're counting on right now. One minute, uh, Mike shower, final, final thoughts. Well, just keep, just pay attention folks. I heard you and Sarah at the end. Don't give up. You have made a difference, right? You know, we broke the binding caucus in the Senate for now. Maybe small, but it matters. Um, you've been replacing legislators. Maybe next year you'll replace more and we'll finally reach that, you know, critical moment, critical mass where we're able to get some things done and fix some stuff. I mean, we're putting pressure on them for the election, maybe a bipartisan bill finally. Um, you know, so uh, there's... It's not like the people are not making a difference, Mike, on this, so I hope they won't just give up. I understand the battle fatigue. I have it, too. I've told you before, I'm tired. But it differences are being made if people will stay engaged. We'll see next couple of weeks, and we'll, we'll talk about it next week and the week after. Mike Shower, our guest. Uh, thank you so much, my friend. Folks, we're out of time. we got more coming up tomorrow. Don't know who we're going to have, but maybe it'll just be you and me. We'll see you then. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. Uh, Mike, I'll give you two minutes here. Final thoughts. I got to go here this morning. So uh, just any other things that we didn't see? I didn't even ask a question during that you whole didn't. segment. I know. I was trying yeah, to. Let me talk. That's I know. Let you, let you go. Um, final thoughts. I know that there's been some discussion on the uh, the jungle primary, uh, the special jungle primary because of the mail imports. And I know there was a mail letter sent from Kirka worrying about the the signatures and everything else. Any thoughts on that before we let you go? Uh, I did send out a letter last night to the governor, Lieutenant Governor Gail Fanamiai, Director of Division of Elections, the Attorney General, um, et cetera, et cetera, and a few others, um, just asking what the plan was because I see a train wreck on this one. Um, I think we're going to violate the law again because they're going to do mail out, which it says everybody has to request it. There's nothing in our statutes to say they can do this. So once again, I think we're going to step around the law and I asked the attorney general to get involved in this. And we had a solution or a suggestion. Why don't we send out a, well, they got to send out new voter registration cards anyways to everybody, right? Because of redistricting. Why don't we send a postcard out in each one of those and say, hey, if you want a ballot, send this postcard in, we'll send you a ballot. Something that keeps us away from a mail out because that, as far as I can tell, Mike, it violates the law. And we have um, at this point up to 100,000 people with our over-registration problem, we know we have. Right. Um, and you're going to send out mail-out ballots to all of them, and they're going to go to a bunch of places where there's nobody there or nobody registered. And we don't check forensically for signatures in the state, not the witness signature, not the voter's signature. So since we're going to send out mail-out ballots and we're not checking signatures forensically, what's our safety check? How, how do we validate anything for this election to be um, certified as secure and correct when we don't know and have no way to authenticate it because we don't have the data, right? We don't. Right. And so we're going to send it out to everybody, not knowing who necessarily gets it, not validating signatures. And you're going to come back and say, yeah, everything's good here. And and we know that that opens up the possibility of people sending in ballots that shouldn't have been sent in or people getting multiple ballots, whatever it may be. So it's a problem. Um, 
I, uh, there's no great solution to this one because of timeline, but I think we can do it better and we have to be careful and we really have to be on guard for this one because this is, um, we'll see what they say to this one, but I don't see a good solution right now uh, where we're going to be able to certify the election um, because the signatures, the Division of Elections doesn't do anything. And right. as I said before, my last comics, I know your time's short, is that the Division of Elections Director, Gail Fanami, I told us on the record, they're not doing anything for the compromised data. So we know we had at least 113,000 Alaskans data compromised, plus however many with the health and social services data breach, and they have no plan. They're not gonna cross check them. They're not gonna do any secondary verification of those ballots and those people. So who knows, Mike? It's a fights on fair game. I mean, nobody knows. Right. And the Division of Elections is gonna do nothing. They've said they're gonna do nothing. So I don't know how they're gonna step into this and say this is a a certifiable election and we know that everything was above board i don't see how you well, can say that and we know for example in anchorage uh my uh, uh one of my employees uh, is neighbor received she lives alone uh she received seven ballots in the mail at her location for the anchorage uh election which is runs off the voter rolls uh seven ballots for six previous occupants of that building uh for herself uh, and that's just one example. So how many times is that going on? Like you said, 100,000 over voters on the rolls. Uh, if somebody wanted to do bad things, pretty easy to make that happen. It's kind of it's kind of shocking uh, in the long run. Um, all right. Well, my friend, thank you so much for coming on board. I appreciate it. All right, brother. If there's uh, breaking stuff, we'll talk. But otherwise, I guess we'll see how it happens next Wednesday. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Folks, we're out of time. we got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.